0: And welcome back to this third episode of HRT is Good For You. I'm your host, Chloe Russell, and I hope you're all doing okay during lockdown. Has anyone picked up any new hobbies during this lockdown? I know that I'm finding myself listening to more podcasts now, and it's it's making me feel more comfort at times when I need it most. And hopefully in today's episode, we can do that for you. In today's episode, I chat to Professor John Studd about the fundamental hormones used in HRT which are oestrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. Hopefully after today's episode, you'll have a better understanding of how each of these hormones work in your body, as well as in HRT practices. I hope you enjoy the show. So, Professor, we've spoken a little bit about the benefits of HRT and how it can treat depression, but I think it'd be really great to find out what hormones are actually within HRT. Sure. We've spoken a little bit about estrogen, but not so much on testosterone and progesterone.
1: Okay. Let's start, first of all, with the fundamentals, and that is estrogen. We use estrogen and testosterone and sometimes progesterone or progestogen, which is a synthetic progesterone. Now. You will hear talk about bioidentical hormones. Now, this just means that we're using hormones which are the same as found in the body. So we can call it body-identical hormones. And this is estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. The trouble with the whole... Concept of bioidentical hormones—it's now become a marketing term—and so many people who advertise their bioidentical hormones contain all sorts of hormones unnecessary for the menopause. Now, the essential eastern to use is estradiol, but with bioidenticals, they also chuck in estrone which is weak, and estriol, which is very weak. They'll have testosterone, which is good, but they'll also put in DHEA, which is a precursor of testosterone, and only works when it's converted to testosterone. So that's unnecessary. And then there's the progesterone component which is put in. The trouble is that these things are made in compounding pharmacies, which are not regulated, the doses isn't checked and the, and the safety isn't checked. So we've got to be very careful about this, this marketing term of bioidentical hormones and not confuse it with body-identical hormones, which are estradiol, testosterone, and progesterone. And they're the three components of HRT.
0: Bioidentical hormones shouldn't be confused with body-identical hormones. So bioidentical hormones, like Professor has just explained, can be used as a marketing term that can prove unsafe because of what they're made from, as well as the quantity someone could use, so this should be avoided. Now back to the show where we discuss the purposes of each hormone found in HRT – starting with testosterone. Can you tell me a little bit about testosterone? Is it a male hormone?
1: Yes, it is a male hormone, but it's also a female hormone. It's present in women in about four times the, the amount of estrogen. So it's, it's fundamentally a female hormone, and it's responsible for things like energy, mood, libido, of course. So it's a very important, very useful female hormone.
0: Hmm. Do you use testosterone in all the therapies, treatments that you give to everybody?
1: I use testosterone a lot. You cannot give it by mouth. You can only give it through the skin, either by injections or more commonly by gels or patches. No, no, I correct that. The patches aren't in use anymore. They were, but they've been discontinued because they didn't sell well enough. So we only have testosterone gels now to use.
0: Okay. Is there any side effects of taking testosterone therapy?
1: Well, not in the correct dose. But if you have too high a dose, you can have a few spots, you can have a bit of hirsutism, excess hair growth. But essentially in the correct dose. And there's a wide variation of the correct dose without side effects. It's very safe and very beneficial.
0: Can a person produce too much testosterone naturally?
1: Oh, we certainly can. There are women who naturally have too much testosterone from their ovaries, either rare tumours or more commonly with polycystic ovary disorder.
0: Oh gosh, is is that quite a common thing?
1: Well, it's very common. About 30% of women have polycystic ovaries. That's not the same as polycystic ovary syndrome, which is associated with missing periods, infertility, overweight, etc.
0: So looking at bone density, is there any benefits of testosterone affecting bone density?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. In men and women, bone density is affected by lower hormones with age, of course. Mm. And one in three women will have an osteoporotic fracture of the hip or the spine. Now this can be prevented by estrogens, and if we also add testosterone, that helps that as well. Now the men is even more interesting because the men come along with problems of libido, energy, yeah. erection. And we measure their blood tests, and if their testosterone is low, we'll also check the bone density. And there's a very frequent correlation between erection problems, you know, sexual problems, low testosterone, and low bone density. Now, that's not well recognized but it's certainly a fact that these men need testosterone, not for their erections, but for their bone density. Because although osteoporosis is mostly a problem with women, one in 12 men have an osteoporotic fracture.
0: Wow, one in 12. Is there an age restriction on taking testosterone if you have low bone density, quite young? Is that common?
1: No, 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 no. You you can take it if you need it for any reason, bones, libido or whatever. You take it whatever age you are.
0: Are GPs reluctant to prescribe testosterone?
1: Well, of course they are because um, it's not part of the usual pharmacopoeia it's not recommended by endocrinologists or by psychiatrists and there's a strange reluctance from GPs to prescribe it but as i think i've said before that 93% of my patients who have estrogens also have testosterone
0: what's the function of testosterone in women
1: well much the same thing it improves energy improves libido, improves mood. And half of my patients, I would think, have a loss of libido with or without failure of orgasm as one of their presenting symptoms.
0: Hmm. How about progesterone? What's the function of progesterone in HR2?
1: Now, that's important. Progesterone, or the synthetic version, progestogen, is given cyclically to women on estrogens to stop endometrial overstimulation.
0: Endometrial stimulation is where the lining of the womb is increased by the oestrogen, but there isn't a balance of progesterone, so the lining gets thicker and thicker, eventually leading to breakthrough bleeding, which can be very painful, heavy and prolonged.
1: There's a slight problem with progesterone in that many women don't like it. Many women get depressed, like getting PMS. So sometimes we'll reduce the duration of progesterone to 10 days or 7 days.
0: And that doesn't affect their treatment at all if it's reduced to 7 days?
1: Oh yes, no, that's fine. That, that, that's very safe.
0: Interesting. So we've gone, through, we've gone through bioidentical hormones.
1: We have, yes.
0: We've gone through the functions of testosterone in women.
1: What we haven't mentioned is the root of estradiol. Oh, okay. Um, so That's important. Traditionally, it's been given by mouth. There is an infrequent but severe problem of thrombosis with issues taken by mouth, whether it's a birth control pill in young girls, or HRT in older women, and that is because the estrogen goes through the liver, produces liver coagulation factors, and slightly increases the risk of clots, with the deep vein thrombosis, strokes, heart attacks, and all of those worth avoiding. So, we should give estrogens through the skin. We give it transdermally by gels or patches. And I think there's no place at all these days for giving oestrogens by mouth. It should all be transdermally. We mentioned in earlier podcasts about the use of oestrogen for flushes and sweats, for insomnia, Um, Vaginal dryness, vaginal pain, depression. We've been to this before. So I think just to stress, we need the combination of estrogen for these menopausal symptoms, and we add testosterone usually, I think, for women with libido problems or energy problems or depression, mood changes. And in women with a uterus, they have 10 to 14 days of progesterone. Women that don't have a uterus are easier to treat because they just have the estrogen, the testosterone, and no progesterone, and of course, no bleeding. So I think we're finished now.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Thank you, Professor. That's very interesting.
1: Okay, love. Nice talking to you. Bye-bye.
0: Well, how did you find today's episode? Hopefully now you have a better understanding of the fundamentals of HRT practices. If you have any questions you'd like to ask Professor Studd about anything we've discussed so far in the series, or generally any queries about starting HRT, you can look up the renowned London PMS and Menopause Clinic to find their contact details, which you can also find in the episode show notes. Don't forget to give us a follow on social media channels and make sure you don't miss any new episodes coming up. Our Twitter is HRT is good for you as well as the clinic's new Twitter which has lots of great and relevant information about HRT which you can find on London Menopause. I hope you are all staying safe through these strange times and I look forward to welcome you very much in our next episode soon. Thank you.